0: Welcome back to the next Aid Station Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Kilgore. Today, very special guest, Mick Garrison. Mick, I really appreciate you making the drive in and the commute all the way into our studio here today.
1: It's a pleasure to be here. That was an adventurous commute down the the hallway. It's been a while since I've seen you. What have you been up to, man? Working. (laughs) You know, shoveling snow. Great, great. (laughs) So... Uh, For all of
0: our eight listeners, I think we're up to eight listeners now, for all eight listeners tuning into this podcast, Mick and I go way back a good 30 years. We won't get into the long history, but we have a number of really cool topics to discuss. Uh, Mick and I are the co-race directors of the DC Peaks 50. We're going to DC Peaks 50. He's also the COO at One Solar, so... Mick and I spend probably more time together than we do with our actual wives. Yep. Um, we have a pretty deep relationship that runs all the way back to junior high and high school. So we'll jump right into it with running and DC Peaks. Mick Mick got me into running. So I blame Mick for all the running and the hours that I spend away from my family. It's, Sorry, Bree. Sorry, Bree, kids, it really is Mick's fault. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also have Mick to, uh, to thank for getting me into running. So Mick, let's just start with the, the running history and your life in ultras and in trail running. how did you get into trail running? Why do you
1: trail run? So I was challenged, uh, at work one day, I was challenged by one of my coworkers, one of my buddies to run a road marathon so i was going to do the salt lake marathon um you know i grew up playing sports and an athlete but i had never done i had never even done a half marathon so i I took the challenge and we started uh, road running a lot and i ended up doing the salt lake marathon in a blazing like 455.
0: so cruising
1: (laughs) That's <laughs> <It was> amazing. <laughs> okay, so what year is this, and, and where were you working? Uh, I I was uh, at Simco Electronics as a calibration tech. I I don't remember what year this had to have been two thousand seven, okay, something like that. Okay, two thousand eight. So um, I had never even heard of an IT band before, and when I was around mile. 19 I think it it just boom hit me side of my knee like felt like a knife was hitting you know slamming into me and so I started limping I laid down and started stretching and I kind of hobbled the to the end of the race um why I decided to go back I don't know probably because it was just you know it was cool experience and the crowd and all that and it was an accomplishment but I I definitely was needing, you know, or felt like I needed to do better. That was really slow and and terrible. So, (laughs) um, so, um, so, you know, I, I was working out a lot and, and lifting weights and hitting some road runs and, and the, the same friend that got me into this marathon Carter, he, um, he asked me to go trail running up in corner Canyon Draper. So I thought, oh yeah, I mean, good shape. I'll go up and do fine. I'll do great on the trails. So we get up onto the trails and in my mind, I'm thinking like, you know, I've been running and I grew up on the trails up in Mueller Park and, um, I just took off up this hill, just like smoked up this hill. And I, I remember when I got to the top of it, like I thought I was going to die. (laughs) And then they come shuffling up past me. They're just like, "Oh, good job, dude!" And they're fine. And they I, like I couldn't even go. It was so hard. It was a, it was so stupid. Let my heart rate come back down. Did the run, and I thought afterwards I was really tired. But I thought that was amazing. So the different terrain, you know, that besides that constant pounding on the pavement, on trails, it's like you're you're power hiking sometimes and. um And you know the angles on your knee were different, and you get some soft pine needles or whatever, and my knee didn't hurt, so I was like, "Boom, I'm in." I'm a I'm a trail runner because my knee is making me be one. Yeah, like I I didn't even think it wasn't because of how beautiful it is, the sights and the smells, even of the of the forest and and no cars and all the things that i love about trail running now but it was like my knee i thought oh that was amazing so um i started going um up mueller park a lot more i started going up Grandeur a lot and um you know r- right then i got divorced from my first wife and so i'm like i just started getting into um I had lots of time to just get into the trail running, uh, so they these guys the same the same dude Carter told me about some race that they were going to go do up in Snowbird mm-hmm. speed goat. I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh, so, so you
0: picked an easy one to start with?
1: <laughs> yeah. So they they had done it the previous year, and I'm like, yeah, let's go. I, I don't know any... Uh, a terrible. Didn't research. I don't know what I'm
0: getting like, into. Yeah, a race up in the mountains. Yeah. And I love Snowbird. It's beautiful. Love Snowbird. Yeah, it's a 50K. That's just a little over a marathon. I yeah. got that. I did a marathon.
1: Well, it's a few more miles. Yeah. <laughs> so, sign up for the Speed Goat. And we go up there. And th- this year, the Speed Goat was like... Uh, they had, It was a different route. He's changed it over the years. But this this year there was like some steep sections where you had to hang on to a rope and like climb down the rocks okay. and and this is what like 2010 I, at this point I guess, probably I I can't somewhere remember. in there yeah somewhere in there okay so um so i start out i'm doing the race i i didn't like go out crazy or anything i was just doing my thing it's crazy steep and i'm i'm like you know mile 3 there's a big road that you kind of climb up. You, you know what I'm uh-huh. talking about? The service uh, road. Yeah, the, the service, service road. road. Uh-huh. I I almost stopped right there. It's like the
0: first. It's kind of climb. Yeah. It's not really a climb. Switchbacks, but yeah
1: switchbacks, which we can run now. Yeah. At that time, I was. They were. It was so hard. Right. So. Um. I was with Corey Ben Dixon. You know Corey. Yep. You, and we kind of did a ton of the race together and, and uh, we did not make the cutoff. So we got, we made it to the tunnel, which is like mile 22, 20, 20-ish. 20 ish, yep, somewhere up yep. And the cutoff was like 3 p.m. And we, we missed it barely by like five minutes. And I was like, I'm so sad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, shoot. Oh, I missed the cutoff. Dang it. We have to ride down. On this four-wheeler. Yeah, we took the ride of shame. No, it was we, you jump on the... <laughs> oh, you jump on the tram or something? Not the tram, just the ski lift. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. We're, our feet are just dangling, <laughs> we're just cruising down with each other. And we walked down to the bottom, grabbed some pizza, and, like, I, I wasn't really that sad. I had no idea what I was getting into, and I thought, um, holy crap, that's hard. Like, but there was not a chance... That I wasn't gonna go back and finish that race. Um, so you know For those for those that don't know, the speed goat
0: has been going now for 15 years-ish. Carl Meltzer, the literal goat of Ultra Trail Running, yeah. you know, lived he's just moved to Colorado, but lived in Sandy forever, right at the mouth of Little Cottonwood. He designed the 50K, the speed go 50K. So Carl is like the man. He's won more, he has won more hundred milers than anyone on Earth. Yes. And it, the dude is just insane. He designed this course at Snowbird. So any of you skiers, it's like you summit Snowbird up to uh what's it called? Hidden
1: Hidden Peak and Hidden Baldy. Peak.
0: You go to Hidden Peak twice during this race, up and then all the way back down. So it's 50K. It's about 31, 32 miles, and it's uh, about 11,000 feet of climbing, right? A little more than that. A little more than 11. Yeah. A little more than 11,000 feet of climbing. So 11,000 feet of climbing inside of 50K is is bonkers, right? Like our DC Peaks 50 is 11,000 feet of climbing, which is a ton of climbing, but over the course of 50 miles versus 32 miles.
1: So in the speed goat, you're either going up, or you're going steep down. Yeah, so, it's not like you don't accumulate. Yeah, elevation gain in this race. You're they like, are yeah. intense. Climbs. Yeah, it's not
0: like accumulation over like some cool rolling uh-huh. hills on Bonneville Shoreline. No, you're going
1: straight up. he, so he did this on purpose. Yeah, he's, he he's <coughs> he laughs about it, but he's he's mean.
0: Yeah, so that's that, that's kind of a, the scope of the race, like what the race entails. It it, it attracts some of the top trail runners in the world. Like pro runners that enter this race, um, absolutely crush it in, in about five hours and 10 minutes is usually around the winner. Oh, um, Killian, Jim Walmsley, some of these guys, Sage, Canada, just smoked yep. it. Yep. Yeah. Um, so these, these, I mean, pro runners are coming and just crushing this race. Um, amazing course, but anyway, that's kind of the background of the course, but continue with what yeah. you're saying. So,
1: well, the, the next year I went back trained differently, um, I was able to finish, but it was just like barely. I got it was like eleven hours and twenty something minutes to finish. but which I didn't care. Like yeah, I, I you're finished finishing. I finished the race and I feel like at that moment, like even with the background of the of the um the road run and running in Corner Canyon and the the drop the or the you know Cut off. I didn't make the year before. When I finished that race, that is when I became a trail runner. Mm-hmm. Right then, because the following year I was like, okay, I changed. I, I think I was drinking a lot, and then I stopped. Around it's weird. You don't remember that? Yeah, it's weird. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't <laughs> remember. I woke up and no, I. But but the following year I didn't. And I trained really hard, and I cut like three hours and twenty minutes off of my time.
0: Yeah, I mean, you went from DNF yep. to about twelve hour finish, a yep. little shy of
1: to eight, like 8.24. and then you're
0: finishing, yeah, eight, like eight that. and a half, nine. I mean, you're you finished that race five, six times now, six times, mm-hmm. six times now. You've and you've started it eight times, yeah, and finished six. I mean, that's that's a lot of speed
1: go finishes. Uh huh. <laughs> I for some reason I'm I and I have said every year s- six or seven times I'm never doing that again. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, like this last time, uh, I had I had COVID during it. This last last time I did it, and I'm like, wow, these climbs are hard. I'm getting like, I feel like I'm turning into a superhero, like fireballs are shooting down my legs, (laughs) you know, and, and I had to sit in the, in the shade and I've never done that before at an aid station. So I did this last time, you know, last time I did it in COVID and I'm like, I'm never ever running Mm -hmm. this race again. I'm running towards the finish line. Like it never ends, the finish line, these three
0: Zigzag yeah, back and forth. Three, you can hear three, all the cheers. Couple, yeah. You
1: see the finish line. Oh, another turn. Yeah. Oh, another turn. Yeah. So, anyway, freaking Carl, dude. Yeah. So I lean heavy on talking about speed go because it's just been huge in my life and and for my trail running career. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll we'll save for another
0: episode. But my my trail running, getting into trail running is the fact that you got me into trail running it's funny because my story is very similar Road runner you know run uh a few road marathons oh yeah let me just go try this trail just get hammered on like I have a little 5k trail run that you think is gonna be pretty easy and you just get crushed and then my first trail race speed go as well because you drugged me over there yeah. and uh but yeah so so very similar stories but make no mistake mick did run a 455 ish salt lake marathon but very fast very good runner yeah he had we ran boston together that was so one of our coolest moments together running was running boston together going out there with our wives running boston that was that was pretty awesome that was a way cool trip yep yep so any of you trail runners uh, if if you want an experience you will not find anything like Boston The Boston Marathon is in four or five days from right now we are we are shooting this uh a few days before uh Patriots Day Monday coming up and uh Mick Mick has a fond place in his heart for Boston yeah he's lived there a couple different times. Mm-hmm. So let's talk Boston for a second, but the
1: marathon, what it means to you, what the experience is like. Yeah. Boston is my favorite city. I mean, I love Salt Lake city. It's my home, but outside of that, Boston's my jam. Um, so yeah, I've lived there and throughout new England for four years, of my life and it's just beautiful. It like. Uh, You know, it's it was not my home with the mountains. So and all my friends and everything are here. So I wanted to come back, but fantastic city. Um, When when you and I got to run that race together, I really had no intentions of running Boston. Like we we signed up with Matt Monker and Chepe. We were going to go up. Oh, and the big, big cottonwood, do marathon. big cottonwood Marathon. Four of us go up there, and it was just, it was amazing. We were just cruising. I mean, out of the four of us, I was last, and I still qualified for Boston. Yeah, that was a fast little group we had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you know, and I, but I didn't, I didn't know that even if you qualify, you still have to be fast enough to, because um, so many people get in. So back then, we were in our late
0: 30s. Yeah. So the qualifying time, I believe, was a 310. Yeah, and so, I was close, dude. I was yeah. 307. So you rolled in a 307 and change and still weren't a lock like to get into Boston. Right. So so, so, listeners, based how you qualify for Boston is based on your age and your gender. Age and gender give you a time. And if you beat that time by five minutes you're almost guaranteed to get in but if you qualify that time by a minute or two or three like mick did that year it's just kind of first it's it's almost like they fill the categories right so they're going to fill that age group of males between 35 and 39 they're going to fill that up to a certain capacity so you may not
1: get in into the race even though you ran a sub 310 right so I get the email saying that I was in. I'm like, yes. Great moment. Yes. So that that was really cool. So um, we took off, went out there with our wives, and it was amazing. Like it was hot that year. You had run it the year before, and you, it was a downpour. Downpour and,
0: rain in Boston. Pounded so rain.
1: Ours was completely different. So... I mean, the experience was ama- like the one. Th- there's a couple things that stand out about that race for me. One is you all meet at Boston Common and jump on some buses, the runners. And like 20,000 runners. Yeah. Like, right? so anyone listening
0: that isn't really into running, 20,000 racers. Yeah. They, on buses. Like, every school bus in Boston is there for <laughs> supporting sure. Supporting the race.
1: And there's like 2 million people out on the streets. Yeah. Literally. It's one of the only out, there's but,
0: probably I would say maybe five road marathons ish where you're going to have fans start to finish all 26.2 miles. It was
1: insane. So, <laughs> yeah. but the so what stood out was we, we jumped on the bus and like they you just run red lights. Like they shut the road roads down for you and you but it's a straight shot. There's two turns in the race.
0: Yeah.
1: It's I mean, there's some winding and up and down and this and that, but like right on Hereford, left on Boylston. Yeah. That's it. So when you're when they take you out on the bus to go to the start line, you're just driving sure. stri- for and I'm like looking at you going, "Bro, we got to run back this?"
0: That bus ride seemed forever. I know. And I'm we're like, like, "Okay, we got to run all the way back to where we just came from."
1: Yeah. Other races <laughs> there's turns and this yeah. and that and you loop around, but this was just like Wow. So that stood out to me. And then because of the bombings and stuff, I assume, they added extra security. So we get to the— um, This is only like three years after the bombing, I think. Yeah, this was 2016 that yeah. we ran it. Yeah. So we get to—I think it's a junior high school. And mm-hmm. um, it's called Runner's Village. And all the, you get dropped off and you go out there. There's huge— like grass fields and porta potties and pavilions, and you just hang out and wait for the With start of the twenty thousand. It's like yeah, it's like the Delta Center full of a it, jazz game. Like, just pop them into a park. It's like being at Woodstock. That's what it reminded <laughs> me of. And the lines to the bathroom, like we couldn't even go. In yeah. fact, I'll tell you that real quick. So, but there's snipers up on the roof, and mm-hmm. you can't leave. Like. The the security was that 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 was that was something that stood out to me, like remembering those snipers. So I had to pee, and and the race was going to start, and the lines were too long. Yep. I didn't I didn't have to going. do. So they like you go down this uh, road uh, towards the start of the race, and then they put you they in corrals, depending on how fast you are. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you know you you were faster, so you started, which you're not. You weren't supposed to be faster. I started out faster. And then you passed me. I'm sorry. That's all right. So you start out the the lead runners, they take off, and then you're going and I'm like, listen, I'm I'm gonna pee my pants. That's it. So <laughs> I go over to this cop and I'm like, Listen, man, I know we're not supposed to leave. I'm leaving. You gotta let me out. Because if you don't, I'm gonna pee right here. And he's so he just kind of like moves the gate for me and I I ran over and peed behind a dumpster. As I'm sitting there, two ladies just walk around. I'm like, Hey, hi, hey. yep. They're like, Yeah, we gotta go too. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, then I'm I get back, make start start of the race and, and it was awesome. I was cruising mm-hmm. until I wasn't. Like it was I was hot and it was way harder than I thought it was gonna yeah. be. And then I was like, What am I doing? I'm not like all these little kids are trying to give you popsicles and there's people everywhere. And, and so you get your kiss at the college. Well, Wellmsley. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The, the all female college. Yeah. So, I mean, there was a section of a quarter mile of people jumping on little mini trampolines. Just <laughs> like it was amazing. Yeah. So. I started going over and high-fiving kids and taking their popsicles and stuff, and their eyes would just light up. Yep. And I have a Red Sox tattoo on my right calf. It has never gotten more attention. (laughs) Than during the Boston. (laughs) Yeah, I was getting all kinds of love. Yep. And so there was – I started to just the second half of the race, just really enjoy it and cruising. And speaking of the bombing, there was some uh, people that got injured – during that bombing mm-hmm. that, that had healed up and they like had in wheelchairs or had one leg and they were running the race with us. And, um, uh, I was by one of the guys that had, um, a prosthetic leg. And so I didn't, I didn't really realize that at first. And I w- I would come around a corner and the crowd went crazy, like not normal. You thought they like, love at, my tattoo. They love my tattoo. So yeah, yeah. But it was this dude that was a survivor of the bombing. Oh, my right gosh. there with me. Yeah. So, yeah, I- incredible experience. Um, just great to see all the people that, you know, the locals that love their race. And after we finished, people would come up and they're like, did you, you guys, you ran the race? And we're like, yeah. And they're like, all of it? We're like the whole thing, all man. Of it. Yeah. Yeah. They're giving us free
0: milkshakes. Oh, and they let us on the subway for free. Yeah. They're opening your door. They're buying you drinks. They're buying you your meal. You're if you run the Boston Marathon that weekend, you're you're kind of a celebrity like around Boston. The yeah. whole city just embraces that race and the runners more than any race I've ever seen or yeah. been a part they of. They
1: love it. They like they let you go out on Fenway Park yep. and just you know, it's uh That was really cool.
0: Yep. So if so if you're not a runner, but you enjoy sporting events and you go to football games, baseball, you hit hit the NBA games, whatever, you have got to go to Boston and just be a part of that race. Yeah, you have to experience. Go to the finish line. Go to Wellesley. Go to the start. Wherever. It's a party and it is awesome. The crowds unreal. People are so cool. It's like you said, great city. But that event. I mean, it's like the Bruins and the Celtics and the Penguins, like, combined. Just put them all together and just, and and you know, the Patriots. It's like it put them all together, and that's what the Boston Marathon. Is. Yes. It's like those four major sports, put them all together, and those fans, and then put them behind running, and that's what you get at the Boston Marathon. So this coming Monday, the 17th, I watch the Boston Marathon uh, nearly every year for the last – six or seven years and i love it i love watching it it's fun it's good commentating the racers i mean these guys are running you know 208 marathons It's just maintaining a five minute
1: one mile as fast as they average for 26 26
0: yeah so it's it's a cool event to go to if you if you can train and race it awesome um such a cool experience to to be a part of it at any capacity. Yep. So um, that's coming up in a few days. So that was cool to catch up on on that. That also, that year that Mick and I ran it together is kind of a cool segue. We'll move into the next section of of, of today's podcast. But that year we ran it, 2016, was, I was less than 60 days. I was about 45 days away from self surrendering and going into prison. Mm -hmm. So I really had slowed down work. We were working together here at One Solar, um, really building the company. That that was like our second year in business. And we had known for about three or four months that I was leaving. I didn't tell anyone when I was leaving. Really no one knew when I was leaving. Bree and I knew. And it, I just didn't want this like countdown farewell feeling. Right. So, but we knew it was coming up. You guys knew it was coming up at some time soon. I pretty sure I'd been designated. So I knew I was going to Florence, Colorado, but I didn't, again, I didn't like tell anyone where I was going. In fact, story for another day, but like, I didn't even tell my parents, when I was leaving, of course, they knew I was I was going. I'd pled guilty; it was in the news and the paper or whatever. Yeah. They knew I was going. My fa- everyone knew, but not when. So when we went to Boston, it was like, kind of ceremonial. Like, this is kind of one of the last cool things we can do together for the next two or two to three years. So we go to Boston. We have the weekend together with our wives. We run. We spend the weekend together, and it's kind of like. That for me, that was like one of the final aid stations for me. Pre, uh, self surrendering. Yeah. So that that was, you know, when I think back to that race, that's always in the back of my mind of like, dude, that was like right before freaking self surrendering. We,
1: we, I either thought that or we talked about it. One like I definitely had that on my mind too, like because I didn't. You're right. I didn't know when. Um but we knew it was coming. You know, there was mm-hmm. there was a lot that we were thinking about like, well, we got to get a Squaw Peak in, you're doing that. Yep. We had the business, you know, we were running, we've got to get that lined up. Yep. So, yeah, that was uh that, that was like a lot of mixed emotions, like super fun
0: but intense. Yeah. So, yeah, my, so you're living that side of of the story in 2016. And then my side of it was we both qualified together in September. So, September 2015, we qualify for Boston. And then I pled guilty. I pled like a month or two later. So, I didn't, I never accepted the race. I got the email that I was. Oh, that's
1: right. You didn't know if you were even going to be able to go.
0: Yeah. So, I got in and I was like, oh, cool. I qualified, but I ran it last year. Like, that's cool. At least I got to run it. And then when I pled, I was like, well, I don't know if I can even run, you know, Boston. But when I pled guilty, there was a discussion with with the prosecution, with my attorney, with the judge. And we were able to set the date of when I was going in. So I was like, hey, um, you know, I told my attorney, yeah, like, you know, I want to go in June. Like, I'll go in June. So none of my family or anyone knew when I was going but I we set the date with the judge like in January so when we set the date um, the day I pled guilty which I want to say was November-ish I came home and I accepted the email like that was huh. like my big aid station and then I signed up for Squaw Peak which always happens the, which back then was always the first Saturday in June so I So for me, those were like my aid stations of how I was gonna survive the next six months of like countdown of my life is ending as I know it. I'm leaving my family, my friends, I'm leaving my business. This freaking sucks, right? But at least I have trail running to get me through the next six months. So my aid stations were Boston with you and then Squaw Peak, you know, six weeks later. So that timeframe of my life is just a fog and like this really one of the hardest times in my life, my kids, my wife, but trail running really had this coping mechanism of like, get, just get to that race and train every day. Keep your mind off of the crap and your life falling apart and train every day and train hard and, and like make running this physical emotional like mental rehabilitation so it became that for me in 2016 when I'm training for Boston running it with you and then squaw peak and then it was like a few days later I self surrendered
1: that's that's like really when the aid station mentality came to life for you yep right that's exactly right like those that that moment with Boston that moment with squaw you know, talking to me, talking to Bree about and, and uh, planning these races and, and your time in Florence. But, I mean, and then that you just never stopped doing that, dude. Yeah, that, that was like, for me, the birth of the next aid station mentality
0: was like, oh, my gosh, dude, I'm going to prison. This, this like, life honestly can't get worse. This is freaking terrible, dude. Yeah.
1: Okay. I remember, with, like, uh, the emails. We would always email each other, like, From Florence. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And talking about, like, we, like, set your next aid station, or you would tell me what your next aid station was. Like, look, I I just got to get to Thanksgiving. Yep. And and that's all I'm focused on. I'm not even thinking. Just get me to Thanksgiving. And we kept rolling like that. And, in fact, it's probably uh, worth noting here that um, we ran a race together while you were in Florence, Mm -hmm. didn't Mm -hmm. we? Yes, we did. So that would have been 2017? 20, 2016.
0: 20. No, no. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 20. So so I go in in 2016 and my first aid station in one of my well I had a bunch early on, but one of them you know was my the first few visits of my wife and kids. And then in on the inside, my first like big aid station for me was I scheduled this like I'm going to run 100 laps around the track, the dirt track.
1: Oh, that was before we did our fifty K? Yeah, that was oh.
0: but but that was just I just went out and did my my that was like a fifty K in prison. It was a hundred laps, which was a fifty K it never been done. No, I'm talking in there. about but then in twenty seventeen we did the we did the race together. You did the speed go, right? Yeah. And yeah. you
1: did your fifty K running in circles on a dirt Yeah. Yeah, okay. That's yep. what I'm talking. We yep. we talked about our training. Yep like you you told all the guys that you were in there with like this i'm this is what's up this is what's happening so you you know we i do the speed goat you do your race and then we got to hurry and get back to our emails (laughs) to update on what happened Mm -hmm. i I remember something about that you like couldn't walk up up or down the stairs or something yeah i
0: mean there's there's no actual aid stations right so I set up this 100-lap event for myself, and I had a pacer. I had a dude in there that was a college runner. He's like, I want to come pace you. So he ran like 20 laps awesome. or something with me, 20, <laughs> yeah. 30 laps. But on on the west end of the track, there was bleachers there, softball bleachers, so like the softball field. Because I'm running around the softball field, essentially. And there was bleachers there, and I'd set up I'd – like, I'd taken some oranges – out of the chow hall, which was like illegal for whatever reason. You you know, well, because you can make you like, can make you can make some good drinks with it. Pull but... them
1: out from under your mattress. Or... <laughs> it
0: took... Yeah, exactly. So so I I I had some oranges. I had a couple Gatorades that I bought like from commissary, the Gatorade powder, and mixed it with water in my water bottle. So that was like my electrolytes. And I had like two oranges. So I think I had two Gatorades and two oranges and two protein bars. That was like my nutrition for my prison 50k. It oh, was man. like it was like <laughs> just I would I'd run I I'd, t- I'd do like 10 laps one direction and then I'd eat like a third of a protein bar and take some sips of a Gatorade and then I'd change directions. And that's how I kept track of the laps was changing directions every like 10 laps. And so, yeah. When I finished, I could barely walk, dude. I got to the stairs because I was living upstairs then, and I halfway up the stairs on the landing, I went to turn the corner, and just buckled, dude. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> just <laughs> buckled. That's awesome. Yeah, my calves, my hammies. I literally just buckled down, and I was stuck on the second step of that flight Aww. of stairs. <laughs> Guys are walking down like. Gilgore, you okay, dude? They and all knew my, what you were doing. Bro, my face is covered in salt. I'm just salted. Did you wear a
1: hat? Yeah. You always run in a hat.
0: Yeah, yeah. I had to have you a hat scored on. a hat. Yeah, yeah. I scored a hat. I scored a hat. I had some shades. But, I mean, I'm running in whatever shoes I walked in on. Hmm.
1: Where did you get those shoes?
0: Jake? I had some really good shoes, actually. Huh. I did have hokas on in prison.
1: That is amazing. I got a lot of running done in some Hoka. That is amazing that you were somehow mm-hmm. able to get some Hoka's in there. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. You know, there's there's a way to get anything into prison, as yeah. they say. I mean, I know that I had nothing to do with that. Right. And I know that you had nothing to do with that. You just happened to be gifted some Hoka's. I just happened to have a really nice pair
0: of running shoes on the inside. Hmm. Those shoes got me through a lot of... I probably ran 1,000 miles in those shoes in two years. Yeah. And they're still there because I gave them to one of my homies when I left. All I was right. like, here, bro, get your run on. He,
1: didn't, he hasn't done anything with it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, okay, so, that, so get, the next aid station mentality was born, and we've done Boston together. We've done the Speed to Go together. And then we've always had this like thought for like five years. When I came home in 2018, we we jumpstart the business again and One Solar is doing its thing and we're working in the back of our minds for whatever reason. We always felt like our hometown, Davis County, Utah, needed its own 50 miler. And we were like, if no one's going to do it, we might as well
1: do it. Yeah. So then there was the birth of the DC Peaks 50. Yeah, I mean, that that was kind of like, someone's going to do this. So we're just waiting. We're just waiting. <laughs> Checking ultra sign up now. No reason down for was thinking a lot, In my mind at that time, I'm like, someone that's like way better trail runner, like some pro, they're going to do it. You know? Um. And you and I started talking. We're like, look, we're pretty good business guys. Like maybe we could
0: we're average runners, maybe. we're average business guys. We could probably do a minimum an average race. Yeah, that's our goal.
1: <laughs> just be good enough. Just <laughs> It's good enough. DC Peaks. Yep. yep. No, so um but the trails are, around here are phenomenal. They're beautiful like um and I just didn't understand why there was nothing up this way. And I think at that time we weren't even sure if it was going to be a fifty miler or fifty K or a hundred miler, mm-hmm. what what the plan was, but we're like, there's really not a lot of options for fifty milers in Utah, period. There's there's it seems like there's a bunch down south. There's a handful. Yeah, there's 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 a couple up up this way. It's but not Colorado. No, that's what that's literally what I was saying. I'm like, I can pick my weekend in Colorado. Every weekend. And there's a, a 50, fifty miler. Yeah. And um, so I'm like, okay, let's do it. Let's just do it. Yep. And uh, you know, before you know it, I mean, there's a ton of work, ton of work. Year one, with with even just coming up with a name or a logo or finding out how do you get a permit to do this, and we have no sponsors. And who owns these trails and who runs those trails and how do we put it all together? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, all that stuff, and so as we, and as we start digging into all of it, um, it was just fun. You know, like we we never did that to make any money. We just thought we love the sport, we love the trail running community, we definitely love Davis County and the and the trails that we have around here, and we're, we're like, let's let's just do this. Let's do it. Yeah, and and um, I I think we probably created fifty routes, <laughs> 40, yeah, 40 routes, mm-hmm. and then we would, um, you know, we would be like, this is amazing. We for sure have to get Flag Rock, and we're gonna we're gonna hit this, and we're gonna do that. And then we started to learn the process. Like you submit it to the Forest Service, and they're like, nope, can't go can't go there can't do that, got to do this, got, you know, and so, um, and we even did a poll. We, we sent out a poll like to a bunch of trail runners and said, would you guys rather have a loop where you start and finish at the same spot that's maybe not as beautiful of a course, or would you rather do a start, a point to point race? Which we feel like is a better route. Like, what would you rather have—the better route or the more convenience of coming back to your car? We kind of struggle with that at first. I think, literally, dude. Like everyone, twenty-nine out of thirty said do the point-to-point. The only person that said that to do the 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 loop was Jose. Yeah, Chepe. Jose Cruz like the, one of the best runners we know best runner. and all he does is run and I'm like what I, t- I called him I'm like you can't say that you're the one one guy yeah. that, that's that's all you do like all what you, do you do is got, run, what bro? are you in a hurry to get why do you got to get back to your car so that you can go run up to grandeur after <laughs> which is something he would do yeah. so he laughed I laughed and anyway so we're like okay so the point to point it's it settled and and um, the Forest service approved the route and I love it and, yeah, you know so so we'll say we'll save so that took us two years
0: to get to the first race day. a full year of planning, a full year a second year of like permitting and waiting for the right date. you go out and run the race in July. To see what it would be like in July and yep. you ran the DC Peaks 40. Yeah. And just you almost died. Yeah. 101 degrees. 101 degrees. Like totally exposed. Yeah. And I I, I meet you at mile 36 with a huge two pound bag of ice. five pound bag of ice. Costco bag of ice. However much it weighed. Just, and you just laid it on your chest, sitting shotgun in your car, just blasting AC trying yeah. to survive. Took off, ran a couple more miles, came back, and you're like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm gonna die. So um, we we bailed on it on that date.
1: Yeah, I mean we we yeah. didn't know because we didn't really want to compete with the big races in September. Yep. So you know what? Like July seems hot, but there's lots of shade. Whatever. Well, there's no shade. <laughs> there's, there's trees all around me, but the sun's right above me. Yeah. So I went 22 miles in direct sun. No aid stations, first of all. No, 101 degrees. No so shade yeah i'm like okay we're not doing this in july yep so that's that so we roll to a fall 50 in
0: october and of course you know we hit this huge we'll save the snowstorm story for another podcast everyone knows if you don't know it then i guess you can go look it up online but uh big snowstorm hits you know our race in its first year has zero finishers and We're all over national media, you know, New York Times and Washington Post and Good Morning America and Fox News and we're everywhere, right? And we're just trying to deal with kind of what in the heck just happened in our first year. Uh, Kind of put us on the map, which is kind of our plan. I thought we
1: were done. I was ready to be done.
0: Well, it was our plan from the beginning. Hey, let's not do July because it's too hot. Let's do October and just pick a day when there's going to be a massive snowstorm that no one's planning for. That's true. And then we'll get national media, and then we'll have the real race the next year. Pulled it off perfectly. Yeah,
1: we pulled it off perfectly. You know, after that, though, like I was <laughs> I was serious, like, okay, that's a wrap. Yeah. We're going to have like We're three people. Yeah. <laughs> We're done. But the only reason we even did it the next year is because of all of the support, like all the runners themselves. All of them. They were reaching out to us like, you better do that again. We're Same day. It. Don't move the yeah, day. Yeah, like 95% of the runners yeah. signed up the next year. So we're like, okay, cool. Let's let's roll. Yeah. So that was last year, 2022. And, of course, it was 75
0: degrees. Couldn't have been. I mean, the weather was phenomenal, yeah. which was really our, our year one, but we'll call it year two. Uh, that was year two. So we got year three coming up in just uh, you know less than six months. Just yeah, about six months out, and um, we've we've added a 50k. Yep. We've got a little 5k coming up um, in June with our sponsorship with Rockstar. So we, we're we're going to push a little 5k and get people into the trail running mood and do a little a little trail 5k in June. That'll be fun. Um, and I think DC Peaks is becoming uh, exactly what what we want it to be a local race right here in our own backyard where we grew up where we work where we live and it's got the most
1: beautiful trails in the fall of, of October here in Utah. Yeah, super excited. Um, you know, we got we got uh amazing runners coming from I think 10, 11, 12 states represented last year. Yep. Um so it's really exciting. That that was kind of the goal of having having people come and experience our trails that we grew up on. And um, the vast majority of the people I heard fin- did come across the finish line, first of all, they sa- they would say, like, holy crap, that's hard. And then they would say, like, that course is beautiful. Um, and those are actually two perfect things to hear.
0: Yeah, it for- is perfect. <laughs> it, it, yeah, the distance is perfect, the climbing – It's got a signature climb in the beginning that's absolutely gorgeous. The descent coming down zigzag is like excruciating.
1: Yeah, like technical quad burner. One of the most beautiful. One of the most commented or talked about sections. Coming down. Coming down zigzag. Everyone was talking about that, and the last and the last stretch. They're the new section yeah part yep
0: so those are kind of the three pinnacle sections was like the big climb in the beginning which is like six seven thousand feet of climbing in the first 13 miles and then it's coming down around 50k that technical beautiful scenery coming down and then the finish yeah like we 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 got the new trail approved brand new trail uh just a good cruiser it's amazing some some ies in there which is some <laughs> some some undulations in the last 10 miles which people loved and they could just cruise to the finish line of course with great weather so that's kind of the dc peaks history we'll transition the last few minutes of our conversation today into one solar and <laughs> your role at one solar um starting the company with me nine years ago you and and stan and aaron the first install crew that we had, now all executives in the company still here nine years later, literally running all of the internal and external field operations for the entire company, the three of you guys, and your role as the COO. Something I want to touch on is something that you you have um, really driven into the company, and something that stands out for me is your phrase of this company was built on second chances. And you've said that a lot. And I know that you have your own story of getting a second chance or even a third chance mm-hmm. at at life and at your career and at your family. So tell us about where that phrase came from and why you use that.
1: Well, it is interesting. Like if, uh, if it weren't for second chances, we'd all be alone, I think. So, yeah, I, I I had a very rough time in my life in the early 2000s, 2007, 2008, right, right before I got into trail running and, um, you know, married to the wrong person, uh, didn't really take care of my body. I was drinking. Um, I mean, I would drink to get drunk, right? Like, just... And just felt like crap and just miserable. And I went through that was for sure the worst time in my life. You know, um, end up getting divorced, lost my house, lost my job. Like it was that you talk about that. rock bottom. Like I, it that was the worst time in my life for sure. Um, <clears throat> I don't even know how. I honestly, I think Rob. Like re- Rob Eastman reached out to you or something. I don't even know how you got involved yeah, in it. Yeah. Um. But I w- that I was I'm so lucky that that happened. I remember one time you got I like didn't have money and you you and Bree went over and put food in in my cupboard at my house. Which I you, don't know anything about de- that. You deny it. So, so um, that's
0: a weird story that you would tell yeah. on a podcast of honesty. Mm-hmm. Hmm okay continue Mm
1: -hmm. so you know I, i i i was struggling in my life to to just get rid of that crap and you know it's not the alcohol that i needed to be afraid of it was just me i was a piece of crap and um just the rebuild of my life with the help of some people that cared about me you my family you know um aaron was there for all of that we would go meet at the park every day and and work out and do boot camp type things and so i think i was always a hard worker like i had the same job for 12 years as a calibration tech it wasn't like i was losing jobs all the time, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, I know, I, I know what it's like to have your card declined when you're trying to get gas and that sucks. And just the, just, you know, I'm like, I would look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, nobody's going to want to date you. Like, look, what are you doing? You know? And, um, so because Probably because of the things that I had been through when it came time for work, when we started doing solar, um, I was driven. Like I was, I was not going to be start over guy. I was not going to, um, go down this path of darkness that I was in. Like, no. Mm -hmm. So like, you just have to make decisions in your life. Like, if, if, if someone tells you to do something like your parent for your parents, like often people will just do the opposite just cause I'm not doing that. Yeah. But the, the reality is is that like, if, if, if I make these decisions, I'm going to be unhappy. doesn't matter what anyone's saying to me. So make a decision, dude. And, um, so like when we started doing this, I was in attics, hot, cold, didn't matter. Smashing my head up into the nails and and just covered in insulation and not making a bunch of money and it's like you just grind, you don't complain, mm-hmm. you do your thing mm-hmm. and you build and you <clears throat> learn and and we just we just did it, you know, and day after day, you just grind, and then we started making more money, you know we we got out of the thermals. Started doing the PV solar, you know, and um, started one solar. There was like six of us, yeah, and we were just hungry. Like the, you don't take shortcuts and you don't make excuses. I mean, if it's a steep roof and it's really hot, you do it. If it's if it's crappy weather, you shovel the snow and you just do it because if you, I, I, I just felt like if I if we don't. The competition will, and we have to be better. Mm-hmm. And like, and you know what's funny? As hard of work as that was, it I, we were having fun. You know, we were we were exercising a lot, and we were we were working and starting to build this company, and and um, and just learn this new. You know, this new thing, like this new industry, nobody really taught us how to do solar. We're like figuring it yeah, out. And yeah. I've gone back through and looked at some of our own, in, or, you know, our old installs. Good Lord. So we had to... You've come a long way. Yeah, man. we have come a long way. So, but, um, and then it's just like, before you know it, you turn around at a Christmas party and there's a hundred people staring at you. And I'm like oh wow huh. okay you know and i've said this before and i'll I'll say it now like i don't care about solar it's cool it's whatever like i like it i have it on my house but it's the our group of people that we have here like it would like the point is is like i wouldn't care if we were doing building homes or if we were in you know shoe sales or whatever like i don't care just with the group of people that we have i i don't feel like i'm going to work Mm -hmm. i just feel like i'm just building cool things with my with my people
0: yeah yeah i mean solar is awesome it's great for the environment homeowners save money we love it but yeah we don't have to do solar we could right we could uh you know i don't know be race directors and have fun
1: right i mean there's like there's through this process of of going from that person where I was just uh, such a piece of crap into I'm sitting in meetings with CEOs and owners of companies and mm-hmm. and and you know learning all I've learned a ton from you um, and you know there's all there's like doubts that creep in like ah, I I don't even know how I ended up here like I, I feel like a fraud kind of like I I don't even know how I'm in this room and then you start seeing these younger kids come on and they start working for us. And and then you realize like, Oh wow. Over these last nine years, like I have learned a ton, yeah, a ton about solar, a ton about management, and I really can help them. Right. And then, and then you meet with other CEOs and, and owners of solar companies that maybe they made some decisions that weren't so great and their company failed. And we go in their warehouse and clean out the stuff and, and I think like, okay, we really, we, you know, we have a good thing going here. And I, th- I think we do have a good idea of what we're doing. Yeah. We've got this thing kind of figured out for yeah. the time being. Yeah. So it's like, in, in some sense, like all of the, the work that, that we put in to get here um, is a very, very long time. Nine years in this industry is, is a long time in solar. But in the, on the other hand, it was just, it was just yesterday.
0: Feels like yesterday. Yeah. So 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 thinking, bringing a full circle on this second chances. You know, one solar was built on second chances. You touched on something there that we'll will give a few more stories. But in 2013 is when you know you got me back into running. I don't know if you remember this or not. We were supposed to run the bot. We were supposed to run the big Cottonwood Marathon together in 2013, to qualify for Boston. I'd been training hard. You'd been training the night before the the race. You remember what happened? I drank. <laughs> hey, we. I couldn't find you. You found me at D's. Yeah, I could not find you. I got a call from Rob, and I was like, what do you mean you don't know where he is? You and I were supposed to go that night, stay at my dad's cabin, up big cottonwood canyon and then race the race to qualify and you were passed out on a bench at d's yeah and i pull in and you're just out Mm -hmm. and i was like cool well yeah he's not racing tomorrow that year in 2013 i missed qualifying for boston by one minute 30 seconds and i blamed you and I was like, freaking Mick. I'd have qualified if he was racing with me. We trained together. And instead of owning it myself, that I, I was like, freaking Mick. I can't believe he like relapsed. He drank again. He told me he wasn't drinking anymore. You know, and at the and this is this is coming off the heels of, you know, me hiring you for the first time, right? Well, for the second time. We worked together back in two thousand and three, but then I rehired you when you were at rock bottom. Mm-hmm. So I, I hired you, I had to write like a letter to get you out of county jail every day. Right? You were in county for like two weeks. I wrote a, a work release letter. So you could I'd pick you up at the county jail, go work, you'd put up radio barrier and installation all day long, and then I'd drop you back off at the county jail. Yeah. For two weeks. So
1: I I had a DUI.
0: You had a DUI. Yeah. So you went you had to go in for like ten days or whatever it Even was. No, I wasn't driving yeah 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 so so that was cr- that's a crazy story the fact that you got hired that way and got a second chance and come all the way out and then we're ra- we're we're training for this race and now i don't have my buddy to run with and i'm like dude what the heck man like but the second opportunity right which was like I got a second chance at the race. You got a second chance at a job. And and that like theory of giving people second chances, this company based off of, you know, really you, we give a lot of second chances. Yes, we do. To our employees, to other people. In fact, I mean, we have an employee that works for us now that, I mean, we have plenty of employees that have records, mm-hmm. right? And we yep. give them opportunities, plenty of them. Addiction. Addictions. I mean, you, Stan, Aaron, I mean, all three of those executives that we started the company together, all three of you gone through your own addiction recovery process and, and getting a second chance at life and at a career. And that's a lot of what this podcast is all about, which is like this next aid station mentality and... Taking that mentality and getting another shot at life and getting another shot at things and realizing that, you know what? Life ain't all, you know, rainbows and butterflies and sunshine. I don't care what your social media says, dude. That's right. not even reality, man. Right. Like let's let's tell the real stories. Let's let's talk about the failures. Let's talk about all the failures. Cause that's really how we improve and we become better people better employees better you know spouses better partners better whatever um is taking those failures head on and addressing them and and becoming better
1: yeah how do you bounce back from those yeah that's that's because it's going to happen it's going to happen something will happen to you how are you going to bounce back yeah i mean i i've seen people they they don't even care to get to know you they're like oh felon no we're not going to do business with you yep and i'm like so we'll have people that maybe were in prison with you, like whatever, uh, give them a shot. And we find these gems. Yep. If somebody struggles a little bit and bounces back and we snatch them up, well, they have life experience. They've been through some stuff and now they're like dedicated. They're, they don't want to go back to that. Their
0: loyalty yeah. and commitment to the company. I mean, we have a lot of people like that. So, so we, we have a guy in this company that was on death row. He was on death row, beat death row, and they had life sentence, beat life sentence, got out, and has been working for us now for
1: what, a year, year and a half? Yeah. So, I mean, if you think about it, it's like, fine, these other companies, go get your perfect employees. Yep. And we're gonna we're gonna roll with second chances and We'll trust our gut when we're when we're gonna make a hire. And if it doesn't work out and we give them the, the second and third chances, which we do, maybe we have to part ways. But if we but if it works out, there these people like Diamond in the rough. It's amazing, dude.
0: Yep. Yep. So yeah, the the, the company's built on that and continues to, to thrive because of your leadership and that that mantra of of giving people second chances. And yeah, we make mistakes. We make we make bad hires just like anyone else does. We give people chances, maybe when we shouldn't, but that's really what it's built on. And we want to continue doing that. And so, you know, giving people aid stations and giving them an opportunity. Hey man, just just get to this next aid station, dude. Just get here and then we'll talk about the next one. And we'll get to the next one after that. So this has been uh this has been awesome. This has been a really cool catch-up going through the last couple decades of our lives of of running and solar and DC Peaks and the next aid station. So thanks for coming on, Mick. This has been awesome. I hope uh, all eight listeners get a lot out of it today. You know we get 11. We'll probably have 11 listeners in today's podcast. So thank you for joining uh, the show. My pleasure. That was awesome. And thank you for listening. Uh, I am Jake Kilgore, and this is the next aid station podcast.